Ed Mullins. I'm filling in tonight. Um, tonight's guest, uh, interesting topic, it's a concern to every New Yorker, is Pat Ferriolo. Pat is the president of the Corrections Captains Benevolent Association. Did I get that right, Pat? Uh, Correction Captains Association. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I'm so used to throwing those benevolence in there. Close enough, but yes, yes. Uh, tonight we're going to discuss the state of the nation, so to speak, within the New York City jail system which, if you read the headlines, has been an absolute horror show. It's been going on for years. As of late, it seems to be reaching a, a new low, for the lack of a better term. So, Pat, uh, briefly, just tell us about the uh, tell us about yourself, your uh, okay. history with corrections. Sure. Absolutely, sure. And, and first, I want to say, Pete, thanks for having me on. I want to, uh, you know, give a shout out to Ed. Ed, we support you 100%. So thank you so much. And uh, it's really so important that we uh, continue to have uni unity amongst Absolutely. law enforcement. Okay, these days, it's, you know, it's, it's, I don't have to tell you about the horror scenes that are going on. So a little bit about myself. Uh, came on Department of Corrections in the year 1982, March of 1982. So this March, I'll be reaching my 40th year. Oh, God I, bless. Yes, thank you. Thank you. And um, I've been, I've worked uh, Rikers Island, between Rikers and uh, Central Booking in Lower Manhattan and the, the tombs, the old tombs, for 25 years. I spent about 14 years on Rikers and the uh, additional years in Manhattan working in the tombs and then down in the one uh, down in the central booking area of, uh, you know, 100 Center Street. So I've, I've got a lot of jail experience. Um, I was a security captain in what they call punitive segregation um, for a couple of years on Rikers Island, which no longer exists. Okay? We're going to get and, to that uh, point. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We're going to get to and, that point. Uh, yeah. And uh, to be very brief about this, um, when I came on the job, it was a wonderful job. People says, how can you go to corrections? But in the year 1982, it was a really, it was a hidden secret. It was a great job. And the reason it was great is because we were allowed to do our jobs. We were allowed to defend ourselves and we weren't second guest and Monday morning quarterbacked by people who never walked in our shoes. So yeah, so I've also been with the union for over 30 years. Um, I've started uh, up the ranks as a delegate for one of the commands on Rikers Island. And uh, I've held almost every position on the executive board. I started with Peter Maringolo uh, many, many years ago, over 20 years on the executive board. And uh, about 13 years ago, I became the president of the union. And uh, here I am still 40 years later. That's a that's a testament. I, I did 39 years um, myself. I just got out last year. But uh, God bless you. It's you know what? It, if it, for guys like us, I, I often say this becomes like a vocation. Um, yeah. It wasn't 20 and out. It became a vocation. And we've it's become becomes your life. Yeah. And we're good at what we do. I mean, you know, not to pat ourselves on the back or anything. Right. But you become very competent within your skill set of, of what your job is. OK. Um, Real quick, give us the sure. breakdown. What's the rank structure within corrections? That's a, okay, so yeah, so you come on the job as a correction officer. 
And uh, the next rank, civil service rank, would be captain, which would be, which would be equivalent to a sergeant in parity with pay and benefits and everything else. And moving on to another civil service, service rank, which would be an assistant deputy warden, which would be a lieutenant on the police department. And after that, it becomes sell yourself to the devil. Because yeah, showbiz. It's, it's broadbanding, okay? And it's all about politics and it's all about who could kiss whose butt more and it's deputy warden warden and they change the other rank structures quite often it could be an assistant chief or a division chief they you know with each new commissioner they change the chief structure so we have division chiefs we have uh two-star chiefs three-star chiefs and then leading up to the four-star chief for the department and the commissioner but like I said, just to reiterate, after assistant deputy warden, it's sell your soul to the devil. Yeah. Now, real quick, how many facilities are we talking about? How many corrections officers and how many facilities are we talking about? Okay, so right now, approximately, I can't give you an exact number because they're opening, closing. So we ran around 13 jails on Rikers Island at its peak when we had 21,000 inmates. Right now, we're running maybe four to five jails on Rikers Island, some of the bigger jails and a couple of the smaller jails. Um, off island, Manhattan is closed. The Tombs is closed. Queens has been closed. The Bronx, we have VCBC, so that's another jail. That's the barge that's over in Hunts Point. We don't no longer have the jail that's been gone from uh, by by uh, Yankee Stadium that's been gone for a long time. Staten Island has nothing. And uh, what borough did I miss? I don't think I missed any boroughs. We have one prison ward left. We ha we used to have one in every every borough. Now we just have uh, Elmhurst the Hospital prison ward. And besides that, we just have some support services groups and some ESU guys on Rikers Island. So it's dwindled. As far as correction offices, they're at around 8,000 correction offices right now. My rank, um, we used to top off at a little under 1,000. We're at 740 through attrition. And we'll talk about why that's happened, okay? Uh, Mayor de Blasio. Uh, I, I hate to even call him mayor. He doesn't really deserve the honor, but it is what it is. So yeah, that's where we're at right now. It's uh, it's dwindled down. We got about 6,000 inmates right now. Wow. Well, it's because nobody goes to jail anymore. I mean, yeah. everybody's, yeah. You know, we're talking some serious crimes, robberies, burgs. These guys are getting uh, desk appearance tickets at the yeah. station house for stuff that, you know what? Just a year ago, year and a half ago, you were in. You were out of circulation for a while. Oh, and yeah. these guys, we're locking guys up on patterns, 15, 20 robberies, burnt, bang, right back in the street. It, it's complete insanity. Um, <clears throat> so now, now um, earlier, just uh, we were talking a few minutes ago, um, the most recent outrage I saw was the corrections officer that suffered a fractured skull. Can uh, you tell us a little bit about that situation? Sure, absolutely, yeah. So you see in a picture of him right there, right? And uh, yeah, so um, so this was a, a housing area. And Officer Bell was the, are we still there? I just- Yeah, we're here. 
Okay. Office of Bell um, was assigned to the housing area. This inmate, his name is Thomas Marvins. It's, it's interesting. His nickname is uh, not spelled the right way. It's N-U-R-D-E-R. But his nickname is Murda. Okay. Uh, and he's got a rap sheet a mile long. Um, he has a history of being, being in and out of the department since uh, like 2012. He's got a series of uh, infractions for assault. But on that particular day, which was uh, the 30th, Monday, the officer was working the housing area and the inmate uh, was mad because the officer... Uh, either woke him up or shined the flashlight. Okay. And the inmate was a, the guy's six foot three. He's 240 pounds. The correction officer, not small in structure, but nothing to that size. Okay. And he um, threw him to the ground. He, the officer didn't get a chance to uh, pull his body along for, to render assistance. And by the way, I want to say, even if he would have gotten the chance, the jails are so depleted with correction officers right now. He probably would have had to fend for himself for a good 10 minutes before staff would have came to render him assistance. The M.A. proceeded to stomp on his head. He broke both of his orbital sockets, um, fractured nose, several stitches in the head, a fractured skull, uh, it, very close to being killed. Okay. And, um, yeah. So finally the uh, pro team was able to get down there, was able to quail the situation, but here's the, here's the kicker. God forbid, God forbid somebody would have used force on this inmate yeah. because it was all over. See the inmates know how to literally almost murder somebody okay and then step back and say i give up okay and what do we do we gotta we gotta you know gently couple them nice take them out uh, and and the department wants to rave about well we arrested him so quick you know we arrested on an attempt on attempted murder uh okay so Who'd you do a favor? The guy almost killed the correction officer because he disturbed him. There was no motive behind this. The guy's a, um, he's also in what they call a security risk group. He's with the Crips. Okay. So he's a bad, bad guy. He's got history. I, they sent me his history today. I be honest with you. I couldn't even read it all because it ran 18 pages. On just on just violent history in the jail system alone. That, I'm not talking about a rap sheet. So thank God the officer is recovering, but can never be the same. I no, mean, absolutely you know, not. Yeah, absolutely. you get a beaten like that. You know, it's terrible. Now, in this particular incident, was staffing short that night? Staffing is always staffing is short every day, every night, every tour. Okay. Yeah. So in that particular housing area, um, I don't know, obviously that he was the B officer in the housing area, but I, I don't know if there was a C officer that should have been with him. Okay. But the staffing, I could say without a shadow of a doubt was short because we don't have what they call, um, 
when they call for an alarm, when an officer needs assistance, they they have a staging area where they have officers coming from different posts, uh, you know, support areas where they don't have housing areas. And usually in the old days, we'll get a contingent of 20, 30 correction officers line up and three or four captains to bring them down. Uh, we bring them down 10 at a time. Okay. Um, they can't put together five guys in a staging area. That's how short we are on a regular basis. So yeah, to say that house was short, no. But to say the jail was running short, absolutely. absolutely. Now we, we've been reading a lot of stuff lately. Um, we're actually some city council people have actually gotten off their rear ends and looked into this about some of the corrections officers are working double and triple tours. That's right. You can't function like that. I, I no. was an overtime guy. I worked a lot of hours. Um, and, and, you know, like back during 9-11, we were doing basically 14, 15 hours, go home, and you're back in the next day. And that took its toll, uh, just a physical toll. Now, you have offices that are there basically for 24 hours. How do, I just don't understand. Explain to me how people are supposed to operate under those conditions. Well, it's like like I said in the I think it was a quote in the uh, post or the I don't know not the forgive me not the Times okay the Post has been very good to us lately and the and the chief the chief is the chief right like I said it's a it's an oxymoron because the commissioner um, he offered rides home for correction officers that went into triple tours, actually got a car service or an Uber or whatever it may be, will drive you home, okay? And it doesn't make sense because, so you're not aware and awake enough to drive home, but you're awake enough to stay in a housing area with 30 inmates on yeah. a midnight tour and to make sure that none of them, harm each other or try to commit suicide and you're supposed to stay up it's 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 insane it's yeah insane. you're watching 30 people that at any given time right just on a, on a little bit of a diversion here the people that are in rikers now are probably the worst of the worst only because they couldn't cut them loose at the station because, of the, because of the bail reform the bail right. reform so you're right. getting uh, you know like top tier predator type criminals Hundred percent. Any of those thirty at any given time, I would say half of them are bed bugs to begin with, um, and they're always watching that CO. They're watching that to see what that office is doing. They're looking for that little crack in the wall. They're looking for whatever edge they can get. And you have somebody that's going on twenty four hours. I don't care who you are. You're going to start to slip mentally, and Absolutely. these guys are just waiting to pounce. It doesn't matter. It. I got to tell you something. It's really interesting because not only are they, you know, exhausted, okay, but most of the areas, especially in one of the facilities that are still being run, and it's ridiculous they haven't closed it, R&DC, where they keep what they call the young adolescent, the young adults, okay, we have over 500 cells that are inoperable that they still lock them into. They don't lock. So you have correction officers that are working areas where you could have up to 
30 to 30 to 40 cells in a block, okay? And they don't lock. We had ESU go up on another incident last week. Um, the inmates uh, were out. They, they were, they were un unruly. They were assaultive. They were fighting. ESU went up to lock them into their cells. The minute they left, they all came back out of their cells on the midnight tour. It's all on Gentex on film. Okay. It's now which which brings me to a point. That that article, that particular article, I, I read it in the paper about a week ago. Right. So where, where these guys just completely ran amok. They just yeah. said, you know what? We're gonna wreck the place. And they did. And I there was no there was no officer at one point on that post. I well, I was I understand that this the in some of the facilities now that inmates are actually answering the phones correct. when people call there correct i yeah. i just can't comprehend that it's I almost cannot... funny it's almost it, it, I, I i hate to say it like that because obviously i care about the safety of the correction officers and the captains that but that's insane that's completely but insane i had a captain call a housing area and the inmate answered the phone and she said Who's this? And he said, inmate so-and-so. And she said, where's the officer? He goes, Cap, he left a half hour ago. He was exhausted. She said, you better not be writing in that log book. He goes, we were thinking about it. Okay. <laughs> so this is what we got. Thanks, Mayor de Blasio. Okay. You know. Which brings me to a different note. You mentioned it a few minutes ago. Yeah. Um, you have some unruly people there, and that's being kind, okay? Terrible. Now, de Blasio, um, and it was one of his crowing points over the last couple of years, and, and certain other politicians, oh, we did away with punitive segregation. Um, I'm like, yeah. okay, these are people, I'm like, these are politicians and people like de Blasio that have never dealt with people like this in their life. They may have read about it. They might have seen a movie about it. Right. Have they ever actually had to go hands-on with one of these people? No. I, and, listen, the, you know, and we we as cops, like, like out in the street, I always say this, the use of force is never pretty. It was never pretty when you started the first organized police departments. But it's necessary. You're going to have to go hands-on with people. No matter, I don't care who you are. Even if you've done nothing for 20 years, there's going to be a point where there's going to be somebody you're going to have to go hands on. And some of these, we battled some of these lunatics. It took six or seven guys to get them down. Oh, yeah. Now, you have a guy like that. And actually, you have a whole building of guys like that. Yeah. And there is absolutely no punitive measures to, that can be used no. against them now? Well, no. And it's really interesting because um, that all came through this litigation, this Nunes litigation, and every litigation starts with an inmate, right? An inmate sues, and other inmates jump on, and they sue, and then they get um, uh, the Board of Corrections, or not the Board of Corrections, uh, another nonprofit agency to, to take on their case, right? And with the Nunes, was, was the beginning, somewhere around 2011, where that lawsuit started, and they brought in the department instead of fighting it, this was all about um, abuse, 
and, and uh, corruption and, and how inmates were being treated unfairly and how punitive segregation was inhumane, all of these things, okay? And so uh, what did the agency do? Instead of saying, no, it's a necessary tool, they're dangerous inmates, they went and they put in a petition somewhere around 2013, this is all coming off the top of my head, where they said, we want to sit down with the judge, with the federal judge, and we want to negotiate a settlement. And they gave away the store. So, yeah, punitive segregation. I was a punitive segregation captain for a couple of years, okay? Let me tell you something about punitive segregation. Number one, inmates that go there, okay, some inmates that go there actually by design go there because they want to get out of general population because it's too dangerous for them to live in general population. So it's actually like a safe haven for them, okay? And number two, other inmates that go there have long histories of slashings and stabbings and abusing not only inmates, not only officers, but inmates also, okay? And it's the only place where you could keep a facility safe, okay? But, you know, people like the squad, Ocasio, and, and all these left-wing liberals that want to say that that's inhumane, okay, but have never been, you know, a victim of a crime, okay, or, you know, God forbid, and I don't wish that on my worst enemy. They don't, they believe that that's a terrible place to put them. Well, where, where shall we put them? <laughs> Bring them home with you. I, I mean, that, I don't know. It's that's my thought. Um, yeah, and I found with guys like that, you know, in terms of putting them by themselves, right, where they can't act out, you know, because I'm sure they're secured to the point where all items that could, you know, they could use to commit suicide or whatever. And I think for some of these guys to actually have to sit there and be quiet with their own thoughts. You know, for some of these people, that's like, you know, because I can't act out. I can't beat somebody else up. I can't vent my frustration. Yeah. But you put them in somewhere like that. Those kind of people later, you know, they're like, eh, I don't want to go through that again. Well, so, let, me, let me let me let me stop you a second, Pete. OK, you're, you're right to an extent. OK, but some of a, a lot of the inmates that went through CPSU were not inmates that could be reformed, okay? These guys would just give you stories that you would never even believe could actually happen, okay? You, let, could I give you one story sure. to make, to just get, put some perspective into this? There was a day in CPSU where, you know, you know, even though you're in CPSU, you're entitled to your religious freedom, your rights, you're entitled to the law library. We have to give them all their services. So CPSU and OBCC, uh, many, many years ago when I ran it as a security captain, we had a mosque for the uh, Muslim inmates. And it was a makeshift mosque because it was still under construction. And we had an iman who was uh, his first day on the job. OK, he came in. And we had about a half a dozen inmates praying in this mosque and um, they were all on their knees and they were praying and he had his Quran out and, and it, you're never going to believe this. An inmate got up and I was the only 
person there with the one correction office. They lock you in. You're locked in with these guys with no weapons. The only thing we have is a, I have a, 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 a canister of CS, you know, 10 shots. And if mental observation, anyways, we all know it doesn't even take any kind of effect, right? This guy gets up in the middle of prayer service, pulls his jumpsuit down, and actually defecates on the floor. And the other inmates get up and start picking razors out of his stool. Okay, broken razors that he swallowed. They kick the door open. And there's an inmate from another SRG, a different gang that's being escorted to the shower area. And when they're escorted in CPSU, they're in full restraints, CMC restraints from ankle up to wrist. And they run up the stairs and they cut this guy from ear to ear. They run back downstairs. They, the one guy pulled up his jumpsuit. They go back down and they start praying again like it never happened. I call, obviously, for a, for a squad to come. Okay. They come and get this guy out for, you know, medical, to get him out to medical. The Iman closes his Quran <laughs> and walks out his first day and last day on the job. Yeah, I don't if, blame him. If you tell that story to anybody, they're not going to believe you. You, they would say you're making that up. I, I can't make something like that up. But that's just one occurrence out of thousands of occurrences on Rikers Island. These guys have no respect for human life at all. Wow, I, I, that's I, I, my. Uh... I'm still in shock with the whole where he kept yeah. his phrases, you know. I mean, I know they stash stuff up there, but to put a number of them up there and then, you know. Broken, yeah, what they do is they get the big razors, they break down the plastic, they break them up, and these guys swallow them. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. I've seen guys cough them up out of their throats, okay? Just, you know, that's, that, they, it's an art to them. It's it's really amazing. It really well, is. They, they have the time to think about this stuff, and and let's face it, for some of these guys, you know, let's let's make our tradecraft better. I'm sure they're all yeah. switching, passing around stories. This works. That doesn't do this. Um, yeah, but it's know. inhumane to put them in CPSU, and we're going to totally eliminate it. But I don't know where we're going to put them. And you asked me before about sanctions. So it's really funny. The new commissioner that came in, Commissioner Sheraldi, came in and he said, we're going to bring morale up. And, and, and look, where is his intentions? Listen, I'm sure he's trying to keep a job, OK, because he knows he only got a couple of months before our new mayor comes in. Two, does he have real intentions, true intentions as far as morale? I think he really does. But I don't think that they're logical. I don't think they're going to work. OK. So one of his uh, one of his uh, sanctions against an inmate, if an inmate is assaulted against staff or another inmate, is to take away the inmate's commissary. That's the big punishment. Okay. Wow. Well, I guess guess what? If I'm an inmate and I'm a I'm a badass, right? 
and you take my commissary, guess where I'm getting commissary? Yeah, somebody's <laughs> going to be providing commissary. Right, exactly. So that's not exactly the way to, you know, say we're going to punish you. We we're going to show you. Yeah, we're going to show you. We're going to take away. We're going to take away your uh, ring dings. Okay. Yeah. We need, we need CPSU back. We need a mechanism where inmates could be secured and out of the general population if they prove to be violent. This guy that that assaulted correction officer Bell, who God God forbid he would have lost his life because he was really stopped really bad. Okay should have been in CPSU a long time ago. He's got a history of violent infractions from 2013 to present, okay? Yet he remains in general population. Doesn't make sense. It, it makes no sense. And and you listen to the, the, the progressive uh, folks out there. And I laugh. I'm like, you have absolutely no idea what you're talking about, you know? Um, I know, like I said, with the police department and stuff like that and investigations and the rest, I understand that. I wouldn't presume to know your job, to know the ins and outs of it. Right. But here they are, as, as bad enough as they carry on with the cops now, especially with, with bail reform, criminal justice reform. But when you're the guy that... At the end of this whole line, you're the guy that's got to sit with these people. You have to keep them safe. You have to keep your corrections officers safe. And you're dealing with the worst scum that comes out of the sewer. It's unbelievable. And these same politicians are telling you, oh, we should do this. You know what? Here's what we do. Forget doing a day, walk a day in my shoes. Walk a week in my shoes. Okay? Go on in there. And you know, into that room. Put a, uniform, put a uniform on, right? Yeah. And, and let me tell you something, Pete. When I started the job as a young kid in 1982, the jails were overcrowded. We had, for one correction officer in a dormitory setting, we could have over a hundred inmates. What that meant was that, as a B officer, you have different classifications. A B officer is somebody who works in with the inmates you're not behind the gate you're locked in with them okay in 1982 if you went into a dormitory with a hundred inmates and you had to sit in the back of the dorm okay it's like an army barracks right you didn't feel unsafe it was a whole different atmosphere number one the 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 inmates themselves were a different breed of inmates Okay, they they were doing their time. Yeah, you had an unruly guy once in a while, but for the most part, you know how it was in the early eighties. Okay, it yeah, these guys want to do their time and get back out. That, that's out. Yeah, that's it. Right? Did you have an incident here and there, isolated? Yeah, but you, you, if if an inmate tried to hurt you, the other inmates would stop them. Okay, because that's the way it was back then. There was a lot of respect for the correction officer. So just like there was a lot of respect for the police. Listen, in 1982, were they pouring water over police officers' heads in Times Square? I don't think no. so. No. And we <laughs> weren't dancing. So. We didn't go out and do dances either. Um, exactly. That's right? a subject for another time. I'm not a big fan right. of uh, yo right. yo yo. Yeah. I'm the PO. Okay. Let's all do yeah. a dance and drop our pants. No, I don't, you know. 
every, not my listen, cup of tea. But both, both, you know, we've it, a lot of changes have happened over the years. Okay, we both know that we've been around a long time, but today you put you go in there with twenty guys, and these officers are petrified, and there's good reason for them to be petrified because they're. They're in there with 20 guys that have no respect for human life. Listen, have you woken up lately and turned on any newscast without seeing who got shot last night? No. No, that's that goes it by happens. the hour now, actually. Right. One outrage to the next with the shootings. So so where where do these people from the left, where do they think they go? Do they think they come to Rikers Island and, and now they met Father Flanagan and they became a choir boy? That's not happening, okay? These are the same vicious people that are out there in the streets that are killing young kids. Now they're in Rikers Island, okay? But they can't be in punitive segregation. You got to watch how you handcuff them. I mean, I... I can make you sick just telling you about stories about discipline. Yeah, I, gets, I've only, you know. I've been to Rikers Island a bunch of times. Uh, probably back in the late '80s, I was in one of the larger facilities, and we got there a little bit late in the afternoon. And uh, I'm standing in this incredibly long hallway, and the alarms go off. And we were over there to interview a uh, an inmate, and. The corrections officer I was with, he says, against the wall. He says, get against that wall. And I have absolutely no idea what's going on, except it's... Yeah. And I'm like, uh-oh. You know, I'm, I'm, and I'm thinking the worst now. And because there's still inmates in transit moving around the hallways. And I hear this, like, a roar of humanity. And I think you called them CERT then? Yeah. The correction... Yeah. I'd say that's, that's the issue of today. I have to tell you something. Those were some of the largest human beings I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and the the officer I was with, he said, bro, he said, do not get in their way. And it was like a runaway freight train going down that hallway. Right. And everybody in that hallway, I mean, I'm just the observer, inmates, COs, everybody flattened up against the wall. And they went on to take care of business. Right. And the officer I was with then told me, he says, you do not. He says, they will run you over. He says, they'll run us over. But what's interesting about what you just said was not only did we welcome CERT, okay, which, like I said, modern day would be ESU, but nothing like back then, the CERT teams, right? The inmates welcome CERT because the ones that wanted to just do their time and they weren't just violent guys, just naturally violent like some of them are, they knew that they would protect them and keep them safe too. You see what people don't realize about correction officers is this. You know, they want to paint this picture, the Times and all these other newspapers. I, I, I mean, there was they quoted me uh, from being – they said I was I, – I had a lot of hostility. I was angry because of an article that came out, you know, the Times called correction officers thugs, right? Um, you know, correction officers take a job and they help inmates each and every day. It's just like a cop arresting a guy in the street – and the guy says, I'm hungry. 
or, you know, I need to make a phone call. You know, you're empathetic to them. You're going to say, okay, get the guy a sandwich. You know, like put him on the phone. We're not, we're not bad people. You understand? And when you go into the jails, the majority of the correction officers, 99 and nine tenths of them, go in with great intentions. And they go in and actually their only lifeline for an inmate help is that correction officer. But none of that ever gets highlighted. In no, the of course statement. not. No, no, no. We're bad guys. You understand? No. Well, yeah. I think I think the editorial staff, I mean, the editorial staff of the Times, they should man up. They should suit oh. up and man up. Oh, I'd love you that. You know what? You go walk around Rikers Island and uh, never mind a week. These guys will, you know, they'll need to change their diapers within a few hours. Um, you know, now I, I'm going to move on to a little bit of a different point here that sure. I, I didn't know about. And I just heard about it today for the first time. The city is allowing Uber Eats into the jails now. <laughs> that floor. Yeah, so, yeah, so. You know, it's so funny you say that because it started, um, I have a, a club I belong to, a golf club, and uh, they. my nickname is Pizza Pat <laughs> because, because of the article that came out where they were delivering pizza to inmates. And it's factual. They were actually doing that. But the recent one was where, and I interceded, somebody, I didn't interceded, somebody sent me an email, and, and basically the email was, instruction it was almost like a, a the beginning of a football rally where we hurrah 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 and it was all about the food truck is arriving at 11 o'clock we want everybody lined up we're going to have additional staff we're going to bring it to the back of this building it's going to go we're going to do this everybody we're all so happy and you would think well what's going on well it's a greek uh you know one of these trucks that yeah. carry uh, food and it's and I'm looking at this email, and it's like, they're feeding the inmates. They brought in a food truck. So now, to, to, to Benny Basio, the president of the Correction Officers Benevolent Association, to his credit, he I actually texted him. I said, Benny, you know there's a food truck on Rikers Island, and they're feeding the young adolescents, because they're a good group of guys. You know what I mean? They, they, they don't do anything wrong, um, 300 of them. So they're going to feed them. So Benny actually, to his credit, runs over there and, um, you know, he, he pitches his uh, complaints. And before the no, 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 we're going to feed staff also. But like I told Benny, I said, Benny, they're only feeding staff because you ran over there. OK, but that food truck was designed to feed the inmates because this is how we're going to make them happy. And if we feed them, they won't assault correction officers. You, you know, listen, you're as good as your last, you know, right? You, you, if I can help you 100 times, the 101 time I can't help you, what happens to me? I'm not a good guy anymore, right? So yeah, that's their new way of calming the inmates down. But I have a question, okay? I always thought that any food, because it's in the rules and regs, okay? It's in the directions. I, I that was going to be my next question. I, I isn't go, go right contraband? ahead. Isn't it contraband, okay? If a correction officer, or if I, if I said, oh, I'm an Italian-American, right? Oh, there's an Italian inmate. He loves to eat meatball parmesan, right? Let me stop off at my local deli. I'll pick up a nice meatball parmesan hero, okay? And I'll bring it into him. 
and I'll say, here, Salvatore, here's your meatball parmesan. Is that okay? You know what happened to me? Yeah. I, I'd be taken up on charges. It would be, um, you know, uh, the, you know, interacting with an inmate, you know, being too close. You know, they, they charge me for that, okay? But it's okay for the administration to say, we're just going to bring this truck in and feed 300 inmates contraband. It's insane. That's that was a part when, because that was the first thing. But I, I just wait a minute, bringing in a food truck, and like you said, those guys that were in the mosque, that wasn't a spontaneous event. Those guys no. planned that out. Hundred percent. You know, with the mad crapper there with the razor blades, right? And that took. Who's to say that you know you don't know who this guy is or where he's coming from and what he's bringing in. And uh, I, I was, I was, I really like flabbergasted with that. Um, you know what? You know what? You're you're 100 right. But even if he's bringing in nothing, even if it's 100 percent legit, even if it's just food, okay? They're inmates, okay? There's rules and regulations we all have to follow, okay? To oh come that. on, you're being silly now. Stop that. <laughs> It's insane. You know, it, I, I just can't, you know, I cannot revolve with the new times. You know what I'm saying? I guess call me old fashioned. All right. Yeah, I, I'm from think, the school of, yeah. yo, you're getting a bologna and cheese sandwich. And if you don't Listen, like that, you can have the cheese and bologna. And, you know, I, I'm sure, I'm sure, Pete, when me and you were growing up, right? Before we went on the job, before you went to PD, before I went to corrections, your old man. If a cop would have called up and said you did this, and and he said I smacked you, I smacked your son in the back of the head, your father would have said smack him again, and when I get home, I'm gonna give him a beat. Yeah, you know we we <laughs> I, some of the you know we're a bit older, all right. We grew up in a different generation, and of course. back in the '60s and '70s, my family was multi generational in my neighborhood. Everybody knew the cops, everybody. And the cops knew you. They knew who your father was. And, you know, my father was an iron worker. And, uh, you know, he had... Knock around guy. My very strict rules in his house. Of it was course. either com comply or die. It's an end of story. And uh, Listen, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. I had a, I had an assistant. Uh, uh, it was an assistant teacher, uh, uh, a substitute teacher. His name was... I'll never forget. His name was Mr. Riley. He was a sergeant for NYPD, and he did that, like, you know, uh, per diem work. And he actually called me. He lived around the corner. He called my pop up. He says, do I have permission to smack your son in the back of the head? My father said, you have my blessings. <laughs> okay? Today, yeah. could you imagine that happening today? He'd, it it wouldn't. Would, he'd walk out of the, the school in handcuffs, right? No, but, but the difference was back then we had rules, and everybody knew the rules. All right? It was, and we had respect. Everybody knew how things were supposed to go. That's right. And and you know what? If you think back in those times, life kind of went pretty smooth with those things until That's we right. segue 40 years later. Until and now we're in bizarre world. Until de Blasio became the mayor. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So so yeah. So um, you know. Now now uh, let me let me just I want to switch it up a little bit. Sure. What is going on with the COVID situation? Uh yeah. That's a great with question. With you guys right now. That's a great question. So right now, we're, you know, listen, my initial reaction was 
when de Blasio rolled out the rule with COVID, because look, we lost a lot of guys. Just I'm sure NYPD lost a lot of guys. And we I lost a very dear person to me, uh, one of my delegates that I saw as some, a rising star, a man by the name of Charles Harris. He was one of the first to die uh, with COVID. So yeah, when de Blasio started rolling out these rules about you know testing or mandates mandates on uh you know you have to be either vaccined or tested on a weekly basis i really didn't have any real issues with that okay because i want to see people safe right you got to be a little logical so i i i asked a million dollar question and they do nothing but lie okay um inmates so we have six thousand inmates in the system right now and I said to Officer Labor Relations when they started negotiating this with us, I said, what are you going to do with the inmates? Well, what do you mean? I said, you're going to test the inmates? Are you going to make it, uh, if, they're not, if, they're not have a, if they don't have a vaccine, are they going to be tested on a weekly basis? No, we can't do that. Why, why can't you do that? Oh, it's against their constitutional right. Well, well, we lost our cons- wait, wait, we lost our constitutional rights. They have con- well, they have a choice. You have a choice. You're a correction officer. You could quit. You don't have to follow these mandates. You could just quit. Oh yeah, just quit and not feed my family and not yeah. pay my mortgage. That's it. It's that simple. And so, and they actually posed that question to the uh, civil rights attorney Siegel, right? And he came out with all this convoluted answers about how inmates are different than correction the, the mental the mental gymnastics that people do over this stuff is mind-boggling it really it's is insane. so now the, the 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 real egregious thing about this is that they actually went to the papers with answers okay i'm talking about the administration for the department of corrections because they you know i i brought it up in the post and i brought it up in a couple of other local papers right and they, they actually said, and this is so crazy. Tell me if this makes an ounce of sense to you. Okay. When an inmate comes into the system as a new admission, he's offered the vaccine, okay? Or he's offered to take the COVID test, but it's not mandatory. And if he doesn't choose to do either or, we'll, we quarantine them, Okay. First of all, that's impossible because they're putting bullpens with 50 guys and they stay there for 24 hours before they go into housing areas. Okay, so if they don't take the test and they're not vaccinated, this is I found mind boggling. Okay, we then observe them. And if they don't show symptoms of covid, we put them into general population. (laughs) Now, let me ask you a question. Do you have x-ray vision that you could tell someone has COVID? I do. I I myself have that. I walk (laughs) down the street saying, oh, he's got it. She's got it. And and, and you know what's so silly about this? The reason they don't want to do it is because they don't want any friction with the inmates. God forbid we force somebody to do something. And when I told the commissioner, I said, he goes, we can't force them. I go, Commissioner, let me let me tell you a little something about the Department of Corrections that you probably don't know yet because you're new here, okay? And I'll give you a pass on that because you're new. When an inmate comes into the system, every single inmate that comes into the New York City Department of Corrections has to pass a physical, 
okay? They have to go through medical screening and they have to take a tuberculosis test. They get stuck with a needle, whether they like it or not. It's a rule and regulation. And if they refuse to do it, they get put in medical isolation. And they don't come out of medical isolation until they conform to taking that tuberculosis test. So how can you say you can't test somebody for something that's a global pandemic, okay? But we could test somebody for tuberculosis, which is hundreds of years, you know, Oh, okay. You know, we all know about TB, right? So it's such a ridiculous, you know, excuse. It's 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 crazy. Just as an aside on that, um, it, I was working in narcotics back in the eighties. So what we were doing the old buy and bust and sweeps and everything. And there was a scare. Somebody in my office tested positive for TB. Um, and back then, it was also it was kind of harsh with. I think some of the medications can make you ill. Sure. And um, so they tested everybody. A couple other people. One guy had like active TB. Um, so, you know, of course, back then, TB, oh, my God, you know, yeah. you, you, people wig, wigging out. What I came to learn after that is that in areas like in the central booking units, like in Manhattan and Brooklyn, um, where they were all piled in together in the holding cells before they get transferred over to you guys. I was talking to one of the delegates, and he says, he says, how many guys in your unit? I don't know, about 40. And he says, four tested positive. He says, the TB infection rate within central booking was running at 75% of the staff oh. that worked there. What about like the an hepatitis? astronomical number. What about the hepatitis C? Yeah. Do you not you know, Correction officers have contracted hepatitis C. It's it, it, it's a secret. It's a big secret, but it runs rampant in the jails. It's such it, because you know hepatitis C does doesn't die in the air. Hepatitis C is not like AIDS, where it's not it's 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 something that lives for lives for days. Okay, you could have an inmate on a gurney that bled on a gurney, and five days later someone touches that with an open sore and they contract hepatitis C. We've lost staff mem members to that disease left and right, but it's yeah. a big secret. I, I remember as a rookie, um, came into contact with a prisoner that had hepatitis and people flipped out. They went hepatitis. Like people are like, Oh my God, it's got hepatitis. You know, guys have died from coming into contact with people with hepatitis. And I'm brand new and wasn't my prisoner, but, you know, I learned, right, these guys were taking this stuff seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, with the hepatitis. And, and as you learn, this is not in the brochures when you sign up for the job. No, and, and, and let me say this to you. You know, we all, your job, my job, we have different dangers, okay? You know, you become a cop, you raise your right hand. And, and, and let me say, let me salute all the New York City police officers on up to every rank because you guys do a tremendous job. And you know what? It takes a lot of courage to be out there in the city, in the streets of New York today. OK, it's it's a it's a it's a thankless job. Right. We all know that. But now, oh, says a law enforcement group. That's a danger that really nobody ever really talked about. They don't and talk about it. No. You jump no. ahead now where we have a pandemic situation. 
highly contagious. And, uh, you know, uh, oh, but we're going to let the inmates do what's what they need right. to do for them. Yeah, because it's we don't want to violate Stop. this. We don't want to violate anybody's civil rights. We want, you know, constitutional rights. We don't want to do that. But, you know, like, just think about this a second. So a police officer arrests one or two individuals, right? And then they accumulate into, like I said, we had 21, 22,000 inmates on Rikers Island at one time. So so now even with 6,000, and think about the numbers and think about the ventilation systems in these jails. There's no air conditions in most of the jails. The windows don't open, okay? Yeah, it's, it's um, an incubator for disease. Oh, it, it, it's, it's a horror. And, and, I, and, and a guy like me, a union leader, when we, when we ran Legionnaire disease years ago and ran through the pipes, and I stand the roll call and I say, you know, what are you going to do about it as a union leader? What are you going to do? And I go, well, you know, you signed up for this job. You know, you got to realize the environment you put. That's, that's your answer? I'm, I'm just being candid and honest. You put yourself in this environment. You have to protect yourself. You know what I'm saying? I had a fight with the ex-chief, okay, so for my guys to wear masks when COVID first hit. They wouldn't let them wear masks. Only were they afraid of offending somebody? They or? didn't want to. You want to. You want to laugh? I know you're going to fall off your seat right now. The reason they didn't want them to wear masks because it was going to be non-uniformal, non-uniformal. It wasn't going to be in contrast with their uniform. I, it, it didn't last long because, thank God, I had a commissioner that had a half a brain. Okay, and I called her and I said to her. Do you believe the chief just put out an order saying that if you don't work in an area where we know an inmate is infected, you can't wear a mask? People were dying left and right. Thank God at the time. I And, and she said, well, Patty, where are we going to get them? I says, I'll get them. We'll get them. OK, I don't care if they put a bandana around their face right now. We don't know what we're facing. But can you imagine you have to fight with administration over something like that? But am I shocked? No, no, because no. these are the creatures that occupy the higher positions that, you know, they yeah. have a tough time opening the door to leave their office. Um, real good. I'm going to have to move along. Um, okay. Two so, other couple other issues I wanted to discuss. How is the morale overall? I'm assuming it's pretty bad at this point. Yeah, it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. The morale is terrible. And, 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 and let me let me just touch on why I believe it's as bad as it is. OK. So they keep bringing up this sick rate in the newspapers. We've, there's no secret. 30% of the correction officers are out sick, okay? They're out sick because of the morale, okay? The officers, and when I say officers, I'm including my captains in this. If there's an incident where an inmate assaults you, and you, what I tell my guys at the union meetings is, you're not allowed to win the fight. The minute... You win the fight, you're taken up on charges because you threw that extra punch or you sprayed the inmate with your chemical agent one foot too close and it's not within the guidelines of that six-foot range. Or you had a really good use of force, the inmate was attacking you, but we noticed you were wearing white socks. You Been think there. I'm kidding. You think yeah, I'm I know. kidding? 
Okay, so now they're taking them up on charges. The 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 calendar for oath down at oath pre-trial oath hearings and the trials is backlogged almost a year. Okay, because when they go down there on a pre-trial and they try to do a negotiated plea, they're looking for well he could resign, um, sixty days and a year's probation. It's become a uh, peacemaking type of thing where they're, you know, they're, they're working off profits here. Who could get more days? Okay. And so the morale Thank is you. horrible. Yeah. Um, the mor- the morale is horrible. Just recently, I, I saw a thing about the amount of days within the police department that they take away from people. I, the number was well in excess of 10,000 days. Insane. You know how much money that is in, in terms of a cost savings? And not only for the job, they, yeah, but not only do they take days, it's the way they take them. They don't want to do suspensions. No, they, they want, want those bodies in there. They want the vacation days. Okay. I just had a captain settle a couple of cases. Uh, he said he wanted to get rid of them. He took 30 vacation days and 30 suspension days. Okay. Do you know that they refused to suspend him? <laughs> they no, we're not going to suspend him because if we suspend him, we got to pay. We got to pay somebody to come in and work. You understand? But but, but you know, at the business. end of the day, what where is the cost effectiveness going to be when this man has absolutely no vacation time left? All right, no. you're banging this guy out, double, triple, quadruple tours. Yeah. Okay. Then don't complain about the sick rate being at thirty percent because no, that's what's going to happen. You're physically you, just exhausting people now. Yeah. And, and Pete, like you said, the question was morale. I mean, not only, not only, we put it this way: we're assaulted by two different fashions. We're assaulted by inmates, and we're assaulted by the administration. And the and this and and the really nauseating thing for me is that most of the Deputy wardens, assistant chiefs, up to I, I won't include the chief right now because we actually got a chief, um, Stukes, who was just appointed, who's actually one of the good guys. Okay, however, he has no discretion whatsoever. Okay, he's a chief. He's got four stars. He's a good guy, but he can't call any real shots. Okay, so. Most of these men and women, because remember, I'm there 40 years. I broke most of them in, okay? But they forgot where they came from. And they treat people horribly, okay? And so the morale is at its all-time low. It's at its all-time low. I had a correction officer call me the other day. Matter of fact, I had gotten a call years ago from Palladino, Mike, uh, who's retired. We all know Mike, right? And... uh, Patty, his, his the, the correction officer's grandfather was a detective and was killed in the line of duty, okay? And you guys look out for one another. And he said, look out for this kid for me, okay? I looked at his record. He had a good service record, three or four years. I put him in a nice spot. He deserved it. They uh, took him out of the spot. They they crapped on my contract, okay? I didn't put him anywhere he shouldn't have been, Okay. But he, I put him in a, a better place where, than where he was. They sent him back to a horrible place. He, he texted me about, about two weeks ago now. He said to me, I don't know how to reach. I'm on my fourth tour 
in a house in the same housing area for four tours. I came here yesterday morning. I'm still here. He called me the next day over text, right? He did. He says, and I haven't even gotten a meal. They haven't fed me. And, and I'm here on my fourth tour. So I said to him, sit tight. So I called his union president. I called the commissioner up. It took the, it still took them an hour to get him out of there. And I said to the commissioner the next day, I says, and by the way, no one drove him home. He drove himself home. You're talking about you you're 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 driving people home in Uber. Nobody asked him if he wanted to ride. God forbid he would have crashed on the BQE or something. No, okay? I, I think you, you know, like the corrections committee, they just make this stuff up as they go along. I mean, that sounds like something to throw out, you know, some red meat for the press. Oh, yeah, we have an Uber. If they're too tired to drive, we'll call an Uber. Well, okay. First of all, even if they did. So, Pete, let me ask you a question. Still got to get back to work. Well, not only that. Well, no, they're going to come pick you up. They're going to pick you up. But here's the problem. Let's say it's your last day, right? No, I live in Staten Island. So now they take me home. And now I got to go food shopping. I got no car. Yeah. For two days, I got no car. What yeah. sense does that make? Okay. It's the yeah. stupid. And I when the commissioner said, we're going to give rides home to correction officers. I said, they don't want to ride home after a triple. They don't want to do a triple. Yeah. That's the bottom line. You know, so, you know, my long-winded answer to your question is the morale is at its all-time low. Oh. Yeah. All righty. Um, another subject, which, you know, I'm, a, I'm one of these people. I pay attention to what people on the city council are doing and um it to me it's just like alibaba and the 51 thieves there's 51 people on the council three or four of them are stand-up good legislators the rest of them are, are scoundrels let's put it 100%. that way 100%. and um one of the things as that de blasio was pushing bill the bolshevik as i usually call him i call him hitler yeah. Oh, I call them a lot worse, but we're on YouTube, and I don't want to get us, you know. We don't. Want, yeah, we don't want to get put up on charges, right? No, we I well, I just charge. got bounced off of Twitter last week, permanently uh, okay. and forever, and it was something we, pretty know, mild. We don't have First Amendment rights, right? No, we don't. And okay. but but the, my point is, is that the De Blasio started this a couple of years back. He floated the idea of selling Rikers Island. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. You know, five, six years ago, the council hadn't totally turned yet. You had some somewhat rational people there that could, you know. Conservatives, like, well, right? Yeah, like, hey, killer, hold on here, all right? Right. And everything with the Blasio is always the grift. Um, either Thrive NYC with uh, Shirley McRae. Right. Uh, I'm not going to say she stole the money. She misplaced it. Now, she didn't if, do well with it. Let's put it that way. If you misplace a billion dollars or I misplace a billion dollars, you would probably be sitting on Rikers Island and I would be sitting next to you in the cell. That's for sure. But so now here I'm like, what are you going to do? And not, you know, we didn't see the whole picture at the time. We didn't realize the extent that bail reform, criminal justice reform, this thing was starting to pick up, but it hadn't really reached its crescendo yet. But mm -hmm. this clown was already talking about selling Rankers Island. Right. Um, and I don't think it's because he's such an altruistic guy either. 
No. Um, as far as I'm concerned, everything about the Blasio is about making a score. Um, he's backed by some heavy duty real estate interest. Um, and how many acres is Rikers, Rikers Island? I'm just curious. You know what? I, I would be guessing, to be honest with you, but but Rikers Island is a city within a city. Okay? It's, I know it's big. I, you know, yeah, I just don't... It, it's it's huge. I I couldn't tell you in eight acres, to be honest with you. But don't forget, we held 13 facilities. We held our own transportation. We have our own electric uh, system there, our own fire department. It's a huge piece of property. I can tell I, you that I just part. got the answer. It's 400 acres. 400 um, acres. You know, I would guess, I would have guessed it was more than that. You know, well, regardless, these, some of these piranhas that we call real estate people in New yeah. York City, they're like 400 acres. Woo! Right, exactly. And waterfront property. Now, you know, like I said, everything I think that de Blasio does, there's always some form of grifting involved. Who's getting paid off under the table? Um, there's a gentleman that I'm going to have on sometime in the next few weeks who's done a deep dive into what's going on with the real estate developers in New York City, a lot of whom are backing uh, some of the most progressive people, you know, that want to hang all the capitalists. They're taking huge money off these real estate companies. Right. And, um, so I'm like, where are you going to put these prisoners? Oh, right. let me give you part B of the answer. We're going to build four borough-based jails. Right. All right. Now, you know it and I know it, but the, the people out there listening to us, especially if you're not in law enforcement, these are highly specialized facilities. These are not cheap. And the price tag was ballpark, I think, $14 billion for these mm -hmm. uh, facilities. Correct. Which to me, it's just grifting opportunity B that they're going to dole out to their pals, to whoever's connected. Um, can you enlighten us more on this insanity of selling Rikers Island? Well, yeah. So, so first of all, besides what you touched on with the real estate, uh, you know, moguls that are out there that are looking into this, you, you also have, like I mentioned earlier today, you know, you have Acasio and her, her crew, okay, that want to turn this into some type of park. But you also have LaGuardia Airport. That was another um, interest on turning that into an international airport, right, and extending the runways. So there was a lot of different talk about a lot of different things they would do at Rikers Island, okay? Um, yeah, and there's no doubt about it that he has a vested interest in this financially we're talking about mayor de blasio i believe that from the and that's my opinion you know your attorneys always say your opinion your opinion can't get you in trouble right my opinion okay oh my so, opinion's gotten me in trouble before trust yeah, me on that well, one yeah so 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 there's a lot of different rumors about what they're going to do at rikers island okay and then you have these adversary groups that are out there. They just had one just the other day at City Hall. I call, They call them the Freedom Fighters or whatever they call them. These are people that insist that you release every, no one should be incarcerated. Rikers Island shouldn't exist, okay? Um, they were out protesting while, while we had our rally. They were out in front of City Hall just the other day. So there's a lot of different rumors about what they're going to do at Rikers Island. First of all, they were talking about four facilities. We already know that community activists are getting heavily involved because nobody wants a jail in their community, right? 
Number two, they're talking about, well, it's going to save money because of transportation, because we don't have to listen. That's not a big issue, transporting inmates to jails. It's never been an issue. We've never not been able to get that task done, okay? The problem with his plan is this. Besides everything we've just talked about, okay, let's assume he actually was able to accomplish what he set out to do, and he got rid of Rikers, and whoever got it, got it. Now you have four base facilities in the four boroughs, excluding Staten Island. Why excluding Staten Island? Uh, I don't know why. A Republican uh, city? Uh, they have that kind of power? I mean, there's plenty of criminals on Rikers Island. The 120 precinct is the fourth busiest precinct in the five boroughs. People don't even realize that, okay? But the capacity is going to be 4,000 inmates. That's it. That's the part that they don't tell you. That's the part that they don't tell you. Each facility will have the maximum capacity of 1,000 inmates, give or take, okay? What happens when we're at 6,000 like we're at today? What do we do with the other 2,000 inmates? We let them go. We let them go, right? We just say we don't have the room, so we'll take the, the, the least aggressive or dangerous guy and let them go. The plan is a ridiculous plan. It can't work, okay? If he had, look, I don't endorse Curtis Sliwa for, for obvious reasons. I, I don't dislike Curtis Sliwa. I think that per, personally, if he, he doesn't have a chance in hell to become the mayor, okay? But he would be tremendous for law enforcement. We all know that, right? But, you know, he, his, his idea about Rikers Island is the best idea. Take Rikers Island and put some state-of-the-art facilities on Rikers Island and keep the inmates on Rikers Island where they belong, away from the communities. They were worried about people being having access to visits. Okay, you sh you don't have to. You shouldn't be worrying about access to visits when you have guys that are killing people in the streets. Okay, I mean, where's our priorities? It's ridiculous. And 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 guess what? Do you think in the history of Rikers Island that anyone from from any borough wasn't able to get access have access to Rikers? No, to that's completely ridiculous. It's it's a farce. Okay, so yeah, so, so look, do, and, and it's also besides a money issue that's going to pad other people's pockets. It's also an attrition issue. If we have four, if we have four, you know, four jails, we no longer have. We have four wardens. We don't have fourteen wardens. We have right. We have less captains. I don't have nine hundred captains anymore. I'll have maybe four hundred captains if I'm lucky. Okay, it's all an attrition issue. Okay, it's about reducing the size of the department. Okay, and by the way, they want to. And I, I'm, I'm, I don't know because I don't know too much about NYPD, but they want to top loaded with civilians, right? <laughs> that, that's that's a topic we could go on for a whole other show with right um, but that's what they want to do okay so you can't yeah. have enough violence interrupters and yeah you know it, it, it's yeah. it, it, it's just more blah 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 we're gonna they throw money at it and it's all scam Let, listen let me tell you something and, and, and i and i hope the blasio hears this okay if he had a half a brain 
and he yeah. really wanted to well, he doesn't, right? But if he really wanted to to reform, look, I'm all about reform. If some if there's a young kid or something and we could help him, listen, we all have kids. I had a kid, my own son, I had to smack him around a little bit, okay? You know, get him in the right direction. Thank God he went in the right direction. But if they really wanted to take Rikers Island and use it as a real tool, they could. Because you have enough space, like you just said, five, four, six acres, whatever it is, to have facilities, to have places where they could do like uh, military, uh, you know, type of drills with inmates. And they could have gardens and they could have all kinds of, you know, schools and they could teach them automotive, whatever they want to do. They have their land to do it on Rikers Island. They could take these guys and make productive some of them. Some of them are non-reformable, okay? But if what how are you gonna do that in a in a complex in a in a in Manhattan where you have nothing but cells and uh a, a chapel to go to? And that's it. And that's it. Where you can't even the recreation is putting them up on a roof, okay? Whereas here you could put them out in the yard, they could go jogging, they could do whatever they gotta do, they could Vent out instead of beating up on people, they could actually get some real exercise and some sunlight. If they had a half a brain, they would take Rikers Island and they would reform it to a prison or a detainee facility, we call it, okay? Um, where actually you could have good progress and productive inmates and, you know, programs. If that, if you're going to spend $14 billion, now we already have facilities in each borough right could those facilities be improved i'm sure they could i don't doubt that okay well listen they spent hundreds of millions of dollars in yeah, the tombs no not the tombs brooklyn atlantic avenue oh the new yeah okay yeah they they renovated that place big time okay but you, and, you, you and, and it's closed but you have these facilities that you know what they're basically they can they can operate yeah well, the tombs, you mentioned the tombs. The tombs, um, I was on the transition team many years ago, but it's still, it's, 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 a, it's the old, the new, to, not, the, not the 125 White Street across the street, okay? You got two, two buildings, you right. know, attached to 100 Center Street. The, they spent hundreds of, billion, hundreds of millions of dollars there renovating that, okay? There's nothing wrong with that facility, okay? Um, they're perfect the way they are. Okay, and they actually, you know, the 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 Chinese community, the the community yeah. leaders, they've accepted it the way it is. Okay, they it actually does. See. It also it's a bit of an economic engine with the people yeah. front working in those facilities, people just patronizing the small mom and pop stores up and down Baxter Street, uh, Canal, that area. That's right. But if they you made that take... a plaza, they made that a plaza yes. for the community to actually sit and have lunch and go to restaurants. Yeah, sure. But, you know, my point is, if you're gonna, if you want to spend fourteen billion dollars, okay, Rikers Island, does it need an upgrade in some respects? Sure, Without a absolutely. doubt, the facilities need oh, those facilities. Most of them were built in the fifties and sixties, and That's they're old. Right. right. But you have kids, you have young adults, you have people. Like I said, some of them are not lost yet. That's right. Automotive training, mechanical skills, uh, learn a trade, welding, Plumbing, whatever, right? Whatever it work. is, exactly. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying you got to open up a school of medicine there, okay? But right, put those facilities in there, let them direct that energy, give these kids a program. 
This is what you're gonna do. All right, here, use your head instead of using your fist. And I really believe because there were times when we had we had the scared straight programs, we had the military programs. You know, I forget exactly what they called them at the time. They worked. They worked. Okay. So yeah, I mean. You could take that revenue and just leave it on Rikers Island. You'll have a lot of community activists very happy that they're not coming into their neighborhoods. And quite frankly, I really don't give a rat's ass that it's hard for, to visit somebody. It's not that hard. If you, you, you could take a cab, you could take a Listen, bus. Second Avenue and 60th Street, the bus stops right there. It goes direct to Rikers Island. That's and, right. Uh, That's right. That's right. People are asking all the time, how do I get to Hazen Street? Exactly. 99% of Manhattan has no idea where Hazen Street is. And I'd say, oh, you're looking for the bus? Right over there in the corner. Takes you right hey, there. Listen, Pete, 99% of the people in the city of New York, in all the five boroughs, don't even know where Rikers Island is. No, you, no, you know what? You're right. They you're don't even know where it is. They go Because I've been asked a million times. And I go, oh, it's right next to, it's next to LaGuardia Airport? Yeah, yeah, it's a hidden secret over there. No but, way. <laughs> yeah, but, we've but, been hiding it there for all these years. Yeah, so yeah, so his idea, and who knows, you know, we all know who the next mayor is. Okay, As a matter of fact, I'm meeting with him tomorrow morning. We're going to tour Rikers Island tomorrow. Okay, and it's very interesting because they were uh, excluding the unions on this tour. Okay, not Eric Adams, but um, his hand powers the be. Yeah, yeah, the powers that be, and. To his credit, he reached out to us and said, uh, if if you're not invited, I'm not going. So we're going to be hitting a couple of jails tomorrow at 10 o'clock. And look, you know, I don't know what his intentions are, okay? Um, but I hope that we're able to reach him and to convince him that this is the place that we should rebuild, okay? And listen, you, you people don't have any idea. We, we, we bake our own bread. We have our own transportation division. We have our own automotive that fixes the vehicles. We have our own laundry. We have our own generators. If the city of New York went down today on a blackout, Rikers Island would still have power. Okay? We're a city within a city. So so how are you going to waste all of that? Okay? And just, you know, turn it over to some Because you know what? At the end of the day... You and I are guys that have worked within the system all these years. We know what works. Right. You're dealing with a knucklehead like de Blasio with his lofty idea. Hey, guy, we need to be practical here, okay? We know what works, right? Getting rid of punitive segregation, it doesn't work. I, I understand it was one of your holy grail type items. You just put the, the thousands of COs and inmates you're putting their lives on the line. Well, let, let me say, let me let me just say something about punitive segregation. And I mentioned this before. The Rikers Island, the agency started deteriorating with that lawsuit, with that Nunes lawsuit. Okay, and like I said, it started in the uh, like around 2011 when it was actually initiated, and then 2013, 2014 is when the department turned around to to the federal judge and said, listen, we want to negotiate this. They brought in 750 cameras from the onset. Every single area on Rikers Island has cameras. They changed the use, use, use of force directive. It's ridiculous, okay? 
so, okay, I'm not a trained fighter, okay? I'm not somebody who does steel cage matches. I don't know jujitsu. I don't know, okay, the average correction officer comes in with his bachelor's degree, probably never had a fight in his life, okay? And they actually have, they've, they've settled with this monitor, this federal monitor, who was supposed to be out of there three years ago, who keeps coming up with scape, because he's, he's getting paid millions of dollars. Yeah. We're going, right? Okay? He's paying in his pocket. But they actually have rules, okay, that say that if the inmate hits you in the face, you have to hit him below the face. You got to hit him just between the chest and the stomach area. Okay. That's that's a rule. That's a rule written by somebody that was never in a fight. Some moron. Okay. And 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 I say all the time, I go, they're they're fighting for their lives. Okay. Yeah, but you can't hit him in the face. But so and where where I'm going with this is really the deterioration of our agency with this appeasing this federal monitor and coming up with all of these new rules that they decided to do without collective bargaining. They never sat with the unions. And then, you know, listen, you go to you go and you file an IP or you file an Article 78. And where do you think they go? Because who's hearing them? someone who's appointed by the mayor? Okay, so where do you get with it? You get no place. But you know what? We got to get back to old school, just like the streets. Okay, it's got to be. It's got to be the old way. I think the the world will turn at some point, but we just haven't seen the worst of it yet. It hasn't gotten to the point where, whereas I think the situations are terrible. Um, I think the public has become a little bit numb to the violence and the things going on around them. well, it's anyway, Pat, I have to wrap it up. We're coming okay. up against the uh, the bumper here. Um, uh, thank you, sir, for your time. And I appreciate it. You I and really the rest do. of the folks out there, be safe. Um, to our viewers, we're on the SBA YouTube channel, To the Point with Ed Mullins. Please hit subscribe and like and share it with your friends, Facebook. Uh, let's get the message out. Thanks, okay. Pete. God Thank you bless again, all, Pat. God bless all you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. And good night, folks.